One day, Jesus says to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? he asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands, even the wind and the water, and they obey him. Harry Potter. Uh, The pirates of the Caribbean, the Green Mile, the Blair Witch Project, Joanne Harris's film Chocolat, Ghostbusters film of my childhood, The Exorcist film of some other people's childhoods, The Strictly Come Dancing Halloween Special, Lewis, Jonathan Creek, Midsummer Murders, Stock in Trade of ITV3, Uh, Britain's Most Haunted. If you're perhaps into classical music or to opera, Mozart's Don Giovanni, Saint-Saëns' Danse Macabre, Berlioz's Symphonie Fantastique, Satie's Gymnompédie, even Shakespeare's Macbeth, and Disney's Haunted House Attraction. Uh, The supernatural's a weird thing. You might think that's a rather obvious statement, but the supernatural's a weird thing. It seems to be simultaneously everywhere, all around us in culture, all around us in what we talk about as a society, but actually it seems also to be nowhere at all, remarkably absent in real conversation. It's the kind of thing that actually we talk about all the time, but actually we don't really mention at all. I've I've had three conversations in just the last few weeks, people who have heard that I've I've been preparing to speak this evening. Uh, Conversations that might not otherwise have come up and people have, have shared with me kind of various things that they might not have otherwise shared. People uh, have talked to me about uh, various uh, uh, occurrences of witchcraft in their local area that they felt a little bit kind of... Uh, they wouldn't have mentioned in polite conversation. Somebody else talked to me about a specific kind of room in their house that just felt very different to all the other rooms. And she said, I've wondered about this for a long time. I wanted to talk to somebody about it, but I never really knew how or where to bring it up. Three conversations with a mixture of people, some who would call themselves people of faith, some who would call themselves Christians, and others who wouldn't at all. But three conversations, all of which have shared one strikingly similar line. Uh, All of those three conversations ended, or um, at some point during the conversation, came out with the line, oh, does the church still believe in that type of stuff then? Is that something that you still believe in? 
Uh, it seems almost as if kind of the supernatural seems something that we've consigned to history. It's all rather kind of dark ages. We've moved on past that. I wonder if we talk about it and if it's present in our everyday culture because actually we've got a sneaking suspicion that the supernatural is real. We've, We've got an inkling, perhaps more than an inkling, that we're more than just body and mind, that there's a kind of a spirit or a soul element to us. After all, if we go into bookshops, there's usually quite a large section of a bookstore that's entitled Body, Mind and Spirit, or Body, Mind and Soul. We tend to name our shopping complexes and our hotels increasingly with spirity types of names. I'm not sure whether you've noticed. You go to a hotel to have your kind of soul recharged in the sanctuary spa. Uh, Or perhaps you kind of grab the train. I noticed that Chiltern Rail have just sent all the residents of Oxford uh, a kind of a a, a deal to grab the train to the Eden Shopping Centre in High Wycombe where you can feed your heart's desire with what you want to consume. I wonder if we talk about spirit stuff because there's something inside us that when we look at God who calls himself Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there's something inside us that kind of recognizes a family likeness in what we see. I wonder if our fascination with the supernatural is actually an acknowledgement of the fact that we feel pretty small in this big world, as if we're perhaps slightly dissatisfied with a world that entirely is boundaried by me, that actually we're quite comforted by something that is bigger than us, that's beyond us, that's out there and caring for us in some way. That might be why we talk about the supernatural, but then again, I wonder if we don't talk about it, because actually, in Western society, we, we tend to prefer to confine the supernatural to, to fictitious books to fairy tales. I wonder if we're slightly scared by it. Actually, if we don't like the idea of something being bigger than us, it's not particularly comforting at all. We live in a, role, a, a, a world that where we seek to control and to dominate those or perhaps the world around us, where power is often seen as the lever of success. And so I think for a good many of us, we're horrified by the fact that there might be something bigger than us out there, something which is beyond our control. We don't really want to spot anything familiar in the face of God because actually we would really rather prefer to work under the illusion that we are gods of all that we survey around us. We really would like to forget that God's there. And so we perhaps want to focus our energies on WYSIWYG. Some of you will be familiar with the acronym. What you see is what you get. Reality is seen. Reality is results-driven. Reality is something that you can prove. Show me the evidence. Prove it to me. In fact, prove it to me beyond all reasonable doubt. In fact, Better still, prove it to me beyond all doubt at all. We speak about the supernatural 
but we don't really talk about it. It's everywhere, but it's nowhere. Something that comforts us and something that horrifies us almost in equal measure. So I wonder what the Bible says about it. This evening we're going to make three points. We're going to look at the passage that we looked at just now, and we're going to see firstly that the supernatural is real, and so therefore acknowledge it. We're going to see that the supernatural is beyond our control, so don't mess with it. And we're going to see that the supernatural is under Jesus's control, so be at peace and submit to him. Those three points that emerge from our Bible reading, you might like to have it in front of you. The Bible's in the back of the chair, page 137, as we look through this passage. Firstly, the supernatural is real, so acknowledge it. Luke chapter 8, verse 22. One day there, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake, uh, the Sea of Galilee. So they got into a boat and set out. Uh, It was probably a first century uh, fishing boat, Uh, perhaps the possession of one of the disciples. Many of us will remember that there were uh, several fishermen uh, in the group, probably about eight and a half metres by two and a half metres. It would have easily accommodated 12 people, perhaps up to 14 at a push. A a, a really good example of a boat was uh, dug up from the Sea of Galilee mud. It had been remarkably well preserved and was dug up in 1986. Uh, You can see it. It's on uh, display at a kibbutz in Israel, in Ginnasar. I was there in 2014. We'll have a look down at verse 26. As they sailed, Jesus fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake. There's nothing particularly unnatural about that necessarily. The Sea of Galilee, for those of you who've been there, uh, is nestled amongst some mountains. Moist air from the Mediterranean drifts across the top of the mountains. It meets warm, dry air from Asia. And often over the mountains, storms develop really rather quickly and without warning. The green ridges of the Galilee hills are so often completely obscured by violent storms. And so this is the natural. It's the real. It's a natural event. But there's also something supernatural perhaps going on here as well. This is a supernatural or a natural event that is perhaps even inhabited by the supernatural In the Bible, the sea is often associated with the reality of darkness and evil. Right from the beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, we read this, "'The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep.'" The deep there containing connotations of darkness and evil. We move on in the Bible through the waters of the Red Sea, where God rescues his people from the darkness of slavery in Egypt and sets them free. In the Psalms, the book that that freed people used in their daily worship, we read this, "'Therefore let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found.'" Surely the rising of mighty waters will not reach them. That's in Psalm 32. 
And when we arrive in the New Testament, we read of believers being baptized, believers emerging to new life from the waters of death in 1 Peter chapter 3. The Bible, interestingly, doesn't particularly address where this idea of supernatural evil comes from. It just seems to be there, present, right at the start of Genesis. But the Bible never denies the reality of that evil. And so here we have a natural squall which is seemingly inhabited by supernatural power. Although we might be reluctant to acknowledge the supernatural and its implications for us, I wonder if we allude to it quite often in what we say and feel. I'm not sure about you, but when I, when I go around town, I often hear people say things like this. They might say, I feel that there's something not quite complete about my life, that there's something more out there that there, there must be something greater, perhaps a greater reality than what we see around us. Perhaps when we look at the stark, often dark reality of the world around us, we, we ask ourselves, is this really it? Is it really enough to look at the Holocaust or to look at mass genocide, to look at atrocious moral outrages and just to say that they are the product of a twisted mind? Or do I actually really want to call them evil? Do I really long for something good, something that is bigger and better than this, something that really responds and goes to the heart of the issue? That's what I often see around in Oxford in our questions as we wrestle with these things. And perhaps that reflects the Bible's teaching that there is something bigger than us, that there are these concepts of good and evil, these realities. We're not completely on our own. Actually, we're not completely our own. Uh, we don't own our lives. We didn't create our lives. And so we don't actually belong to ourselves. The Bible says that we're made by God and therefore we're his. Actually, we're his possession. We're made to be owned. We're made for the supernatural to live within us. And so that's the first point. The supernatural is real, so therefore acknowledge it. And that takes us to the second point of our story. Just have a look down if you've got your Bible in front of you or if you want to look up on the screen. We're in verse 27. And the second point, the supernatural is beyond our control, so don't mess with it. Uh, verse 23, sorry. The boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke Jesus, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. It seems as if this supernatural storm is seeking their lives. These were experienced fishermen. They, they, they worked the lake day after day after day, and they find themselves totally out of their depth. They're the world experts on that lake, and particularly that area of that lake, the northern tip of it. But yet any pretense that they had at control 
in that situation has completely vanished. And if we're sat here wondering, well, I wonder if that's stretching it all a little bit too far, here we are talking about demonic storms seeking the lives of the people in the boat. If you turn back to chapter 4 in your Bible, you can see the references that I've noted there at verses 33, 41, and 39. We see a man possessed by a demon. Verse 33... At verse 41, we read that it's not just isolated to this one particular chap. There are many more people who have demons in them as well. And in verse 39, there even seems to be some implication that actually there's something supernatural about the specific fever that at that point is afflicting Simon's mother. Although God made us and we're his, Genesis tells us the story of our fall. In a bid to seize control of our own lives, we've chosen to abandon the good God. We've chosen to abandon things that he created rather than the creator himself. But ironically, in seeking the crown for our own heads, we've actually found shackles for our own hands. In seeking after our selfish desires that we thought we could control, actually what's happened is we've found ourselves controlled and imprisoned by those same desires. We've tried to free ourselves from God, but we've ended up offering ourselves as a possession to the desires and powers which seek to imprison us. I wonder if evil's biggest success in the UK is actually to convince a lot of people that it doesn't really exist at all. Uh, We wouldn't talk so much in the UK about uh, demon possession. We might talk uh, occasionally about witchcraft or the, the occult, and those are certainly real and horrific realities. People who have dabbled in those things will testify to the real mess and horror of it. And it's one thing as a church that we would uh, delight to offer uh, the ministry in prayer of Jesus into those situations. But I wonder if, in the main, in UK society, evil's biggest success lies in concealing itself behind those things, those desires, we might call them addictions, that imprison folk so often in seeking to control people. Christians and non-Christians alike often talk about being almost imprisoned by those things that seem to have taken control of their life, runaway desires that almost have kind of turned their lives into something that they don't want to be. It's almost as if they've been taken over. Addictions perhaps to alcohol to drugs, to pornography, to Black Friday-style consumption, to success, to wealth, perhaps, to work, perhaps to our individual superstitions, perhaps even to things like our Facebook status, things that sometimes take on such a... uh, a place and a position in our lives that we feel that we are controlled by them. We might like to feel that we're the resident experts when it comes to our lives, but actually if we're honest, we know that we're so often out of control 
and out of our depth. We might not want to call it the supernatural, but we do recognize the reality that however hard we try and however much we'd like to be, we're actually not in control of our own lives. And actually, the more that we give in to the desires of what we would like to do, the more we feel that we are controlled ourselves. The supernatural is real, the Bible says, so don't mess with it. And so you might be wondering, well, actually, is there any good news here at all in what we're looking at this evening? The good news is reserved right for the end of our story. You might want to have a look at verse 24. Here we see that the supernatural is under Jesus' control, and so be at peace and submit to him. Verse 24, Jesus got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and it was calm. You might have thought just now, that we were pushing that point rather too much about this being a naturally supernatural storm. But I wonder whether you feel it's a bit odd that Jesus rebukes the storm. It seems an odd choice of word for Luke to use, for Jesus to get up and to kind of tell a storm off. It seems an odd word until we look back at Luke 33 and Luke 41 and and Luke 39, where Luke's Greek text has Jesus rebuking the demon in the person, rebuking the demons that he finds around himself in society, even rebuking the fever in Simon's mother. It's the same word in Greek. If the supernatural world is beyond our control, it's well within Jesus's control. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. Evil is not. It might lurk in this storm. It doesn't mean to say necessarily that it lurks in every storm or the wind that's kind of blowing a hooli this evening. But it does make sense that if God is the one who was hovering over the waters at the start of the world, if God is the one who could speak and with a single word speak light into darkness, order into chaos, peace into a sense of disorder, it makes total sense that actually Jesus can be the one who stands up here and with a word of rebuke brings peace and calm to a chaotic storm by telling it off. Why shouldn't the one who's been resting in the boat perfectly at peace bring rest to the world around him? by exercising control over the supernatural that is his to do alone. And so I guess that leaves us with a question. What should we do? As we move into our group times in a moment, uh, what should we do in light of this? In light of the reality of darkness and evil, the Bible says recognize Jesus's control. Be at peace and submit to him. If Jesus is in control, as he demonstrates here, it's no use us either trying to control our lives or be unduly spooked by the supernatural. If we submit control of our lives to the one who made us, who wants to be at peace with us, then his peace and light and life will flood into us and set us free from everything that would control us and seek to exercise controlling imprisonment, really, over us. If we're submitted to God, 
and he's powerful over evil, as he shows here. He's not going to let it overwhelm us. We can be at peace and not fear evil. In fact, more than that, just getting our minds around this is amazing. The fullness of God's supernatural presence, comfort, peace, light, goodness, comes and sets up home within us. We're made as vessels for the supernatural. Allowing God control doesn't mean to say that we're going to see miracles every day. We don't control God. And so submitting to him means that we need to submit to his plans and his timing. It's totally right for us to pray for miracles to happen, but it's also God's right to decide when and if he answers those prayers, however testing that might be for us. Ultimately, the miracle that Christians do see every day is the miracle of being at peace with God through Jesus. A miracle that's not of our own making. There's nothing we can do to conjure up peace with God on our own. We're rebels that don't naturally submit, but God's miracle of the gift of faith, enabling us to submit our lives to him, is a gift that's on offer for all who ask. And so, in summary, the three points that we've seen this evening, the supernatural is real, so acknowledge it. The supernatural is beyond our control, so don't mess with it. The supernatural is under Jesus' control, so be at peace and submit to him.